Was that a beautiful song? Oh, she always excels in, in that. We thank God for Taylor and her dedication to the Lord. Uh, two weeks ago, I preached about, would someone remind me? The, the hedge. I, I know, but I'm testing you. <laughs> the hedge and or the fence. And uh, we didn't finish everything. And I said in two weeks, I will cover it again. And we will continue what we needed to continue. We are going to do that this morning and as part of the afternoon. Uh, but before we do that, keep in your hearts the prayers for Kara, please. And uh, for Walter and Lorraine, they are hit very hard with, the, uh, with this flu. And uh, pray for them. And others, too, that are not with us here today, pray for them. And uh, you know me, I am uh, always push for education. And... Uh, I'd love every person, every young man, every young woman, every teenager who are going to school to go to college, to graduate, and uh, go in life further with the blessings of God. I'm also very happy and proud to see Justin with us this morning, who goes to college away from home, and when he comes here, he calls me and says, I want to come to church. And thank God for you, Justin. And I want to tell you about Justin before, uh, before I um, forget that important point. He was telling me he's been three years in college. He has uh, gathered and completed all the credits for four years, and he can graduate anytime he wants. How about that? Let's give him a hand. He is a, a man of God. He loves the Lord. He goes to church. Uh, every time he has the chance to go down there in Santa Cruz, and he's serving the Lord with the pastor. Uh, when I met with him Friday, and I am proud of you. And I'm sure your dad and mom are proud of you and this church because you were born in this church. You, were, you grew in this church and may the Lord continue blessing you and I'm sure you will never forget us. By his side, his brother is there and probably you haven't heard. He worked very hard this year. He applied to the Air Force Academy in, uh, in Colorado and so many few people are accepted because the requirements are very high. He worked hard. He did not sleep many nights. And he finally was accepted for a full four years. Kenan. Kenan Meyer and Justin, may the Lord use you in your life. First, for his glory. Secondly, to be an example for young people, so they can study and follow the Lord. That's the most important priority 
is follow the Lord and honor him in your lives. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, that's our message. (laughs) We are uh, going to continue. So, uh, we spoke uh, uh, two Sundays ago uh, on the fence. And I read from uh, Job 1.10, Have you not made, this is Satan addressing God, Satan addressing God, have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side, you have blessed his work and his possessions and have increased in the land. We talked about, we didn't talk about Job for a lot, but we talked about what does it mean to have a fence around you. We spoke about that, that means uh, ownership, like, uh, like preciousness, protection. And we didn't have time to continue. And uh, as I said last week, now we need to look at what characterizes the hedged people, the people within the fence. In other words, if you are a believer... If you have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, okay, you have some responsibilities. You have been hedged. You have been protected. You are precious in the eyes of God. He owns you. Remember, we said that. And you are His own. Okay, but in view of that, what are we supposed to do? In view of that, how should we then live? Okay? And the first, the first thing that I thought is to please God. Pleasing God. And I looked in the Bible. I'd like to get an example in the Bible. I'd like to get a personality so we can look at it and see this personality, how it pleased God. There are many. But the one that stands, the one that stands... I found Enoch. How about that? I found Enoch. Enoch in the Old Testament, in Genesis chapter 5, Genesis chapter 5, we read in verse 21, this about Enoch. And Enoch lived 65 years and became the father of Methuselah. Then Enoch walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Let's turn to the New Testament. To the book of Hebrews. And verse, chapter 11, chapter 11, and verse 5. He's mentioned once in the Old Testament and twice in the New Testament. Once here and in Jude he's mentioned. And here he says, 
The Bible says, by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found, exactly, because God took him up. He doesn't stop here. And here's why I want to talk a little bit about him. He was not to be found, for he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. There are many men in the Bible that please God, but this was mentioned especially about Enoch. Their last pleased God, but this was stated, and it wasn't stated when he was on earth. It was stated after he left, after being taken to heaven. God puts a hedge around us so our lives should please him or would please him. You have a hedge around you. You have the security around you. You have the protection around you. So you, in turn, say thank you, Lord, and attempt a life to please God. Amen, Amen to that? In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9, Paul writes, Therefore, we have as our ambition, whether at home, where is home for the Christians? Whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to Him. Whether up there or here, we are required to please God. To please God in everything. And what pleases God means. Pleases God means to do the will of God. To do his will. Webster explains it. And he says to please God is to love his character and law and perform his will. So as to become the object of his pleasing, of his heart's desire. Now, in opposition to that, if you turn, well, this is a Bible study, it's turn your Bibles over to Romans and chapter 8. Romans and chapter 8. Those who are in the flesh, living on their own, and doing their own thing away from God. Okay, look at their description here. Let's take it from verse 5. For those who are according to the flesh. I repeat, Romans 8, 5. Set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, obviously. For the mindset on the flesh is death. But the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile, what? Toward God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot what? Please God. Cannot please God. So to be found pleasing in the eyes of God is for Christians who are living surrounded 
by a hedge, by a fence that God has built around you. And the fence I'd like always to think is the blood of Jesus Christ. Because no one can put a dent in it. No one can put a hole in it. Not even the greatest power under the sun can touch you when you are under the blood. Remember that, Christian. And this is why. This is why the responsibility of those people who are living for Jesus is to please Jesus. I cannot find myself committing a sin and continuing in it and progressing in it and ask God to protect me. And Lord, I am I'm now under your protection. It doesn't happen, folks. It doesn't happen. I cannot live with a conscience that is not clean, an unclean conscience, and say, I am, I am in the will of God. Do you agree with that or not? You cannot, you cannot do that. And what I want to do is to please God. And what pleases God? The very first thing, the answer, simply, I am not a philosopher or a theologian. To please God is to do His will. And then, you can say, you are secure. You can say, I am within the fence. Psalm 5 and verse 12, it says, For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous, if you are within his gate. With favor, you will surround him as if, as with a shield. You have a shield around you. And God has done a favor toward us all. And an assurance that he who touches you, touches what? The apple of my eye. So, Satan cannot touch you. Rejoice, Christian. If you are in the will of God, Satan cannot touch you or even approach you. Or come near to you. And what does it take to please God, as we say? Is to do his will and to love him. As someone said, to know God's will is man's greatest treasure. To do his will is life's greatest privilege. So we are privileged. Someone said, and I will quote it, God's will, nothing more, nothing less, and nothing else. That's what I want. Do you want that, dear Christian? Now, let us look at the life. As I said, let's get an example. Let's put him before us. Let's look at the life of this man who people said about him. This is a man who pleased God. And this should be an example for us. What should we, how should we then say, thank you, Lord, pleasing God first. All right. If we look at his biography, we found out that he lived a holy life on earth. And then the end of it, a glorious exit toward heaven. Right? But in between, in between, there's a time. So let's see how he lived in between so we can mirror our lives to this man of God. He walked with God, it says. Okay, that pleases God. And we have it in the New Testament, in the Old Testament. Although he was born a child of wrath. Here we go. Here we start. Let's start. 
He was born a child of wrath. He became a child of grace. The Bible says at the age of 65, he met God and started walking with God. So what did he do before 65? When he was born for 65 years old, he lived like any, any unsaved person. Anyone who did not know God. He had life. And he had, he had a son. He was married. And he had a son. And who knows the name of his son? Methuselah. Methuselah, his son. And he had a son. And as such, he started. Like when you first get saved. And he started his journey. And how long did he live? Who can tell me? 300 years after he got Methuselah. So 65 years before. Those are 65. The 65, he lived them in the world. He lived them according to his own will. He was pleasing Enoch. Enoch was pleasing Enoch. Until he met God. And God changed Enoch. And for what? For 300 years, Enoch walked with God. I can understand five years, ten years, thirty, thirty years, three hundred years. And he learned a lot through it. And they, he started. And you know, when he started, he, it was a honeymoon, right? says, oh, do you remember when you first accepted the Lord Jesus Savior? As if you're walking in the air. You were flying. You're flying. Then you come down. Then you come down, you start facing life. This is what happened. But to him, many people start well. But they dry up and return to the world. Many. Not Enoch. Enoch pleased God. Remember the key word here is pleased God. Enoch's decision was not an emotional decision. And when you come to Jesus Christ, it's not an emotional decision. It's a commitment. And that commitment should not change at all. When you make a commitment to God, He made a commitment to you, right? He committed Himself on the cross of Calvary. Would He change His mind? And once you make a commitment to Him and you're born again, which is the will of God for you to be born again, to accept Him as Savior, when you are, the Lord will not leave you nor forsake you. And he had this assurance and he continued. His very, I would say his first 100 years were just to forget the past. To overcome all what he, that luggage that he brought with him. Excess baggage that he brought with him. And he was learning and learning and learning. He meant business with God and he stayed the course. Otherwise, how do you explain 300 years? Right? He stayed the course. He made peace with God and walked. Amos said in verse, chapter 3, verse 3, Two cannot walk together unless they are in agreement. Two cannot walk together. So, who agreed with who when he started walking with God? Help me. Who agreed with who? He agreed with God. Right? He had to agree with God. And we cannot walk with God according to our own terms. We have always go to the terms of God. Please remember that. 
to the original terms of God. When we came to Him, we came as sinners. We came needy. We came lost. We came bankrupt. And He changed our lives. And we, at that moment, we were born again and started walking. And these were the terms. As long as you walk with me, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He walked with God. Another point I find. It is a wonderful life. He experienced a totally new life. Don't you agree with that? When you came to Jesus Christ, did your life change? Were you happy? Huh? Did, did you enjoy real happiness? Real ease of conscience? And you explain the rest. It's a wonderful life. It's not mere living by rules and regulations anymore. It's not laying down plans of actions. How many people, one day, one day a person came to me. He said, I want you, Adel, to help me program my life. I looked at him. Program your life? Like, get up in the morning. What do I do? When we go to work, I said, you get up in the morning, you do your own thing. This is your life. Do you want me to control your life? I can barely, I can barely program my life. <laughs> and what do I do? When do I have a, a, a devotion? I said, this is between you and God. Give yourself to God. I think, first of all, you have to experience whether you are born again or not. I haven't seen this man again. It's not a program to follow. It's not a resolution to go somewhere or do, and let, let's do, I'm going to go higher and higher in the world. This is not when you come to Christ. It's a different world. It's not something to do this or not that. No, to walk with God in this new life is to know Him as He reveals, in the Bible says, His secrets to those who fear him. The closer you are to God. God will direct your life. If you need some counsel. You can ask for it. Okay. But to program your life. No. And a million no. And he says no. Good thing will he withhold. From them that walk uprightly. If you seek him, if you are his child, he will take care of you. And he'll give you a wonderful life. Because he promised that. What did he promise? In John 10.10, who can quote this for me? We're Bible study. It's the church. Okay. I have come to give them life. Thank you, Jessica. and, And more abundantly. Is that a promise? Is this only words written in John? Okay, I have come to give you life and give you more abundantly. It's not by the power of going to the gym and get myself. No, no, no. no. It's not the gym. To walk with God doesn't take any gym. Though I love exercise, I love gym, I love sports. It's not that. To walk with God is to harness your will to be according to his will. And to live to please Him. 
and not please the world. So, where are we with Enoch? Enoch, what, what else do we, do we find something that attracts us, that is for us? He, he enjoyed, I found out, close communion with God. Do you know why people run away from God? Christians, I'm saying Christians. Born and, why do they run away from the meetings sometimes, from God, from being with believers? Conviction. There's a sin. And they are not giving it to the Lord. It doesn't, it doesn't seem to me that Enoch had any, any problem there. Did he have any problems at home? Of course he must have problems at home. Don't, don't we have problems sometimes? Some say, Lord, Lord, ask him. Figuratively speaking. Enoch, what's wrong today? You're dragging with me. Well, Methuselah is not being obedient. All right. Does it happen? I had a fight with Methuselah and the other kids. And what's, what's wrong tomorrow? Well, a couple of, couple of cows were stolen. I don't know where to find them. Some of the workers are fighting amongst them and I had problems. He had everyday problems. Do you think he went to the top of the mountains and God created a place for him? He says, I'm going to put a hedge around you and you walk in here and I'll provide food. And No, he lived amongst them. He went to work. He, he went to San Francisco. If you're working in San Francisco or San Jose everywhere, every day. He fought traffic every day. Are you with me? Yeah, I think you are. We're having fun with that. Huh? Walking with God does not mean that you are going to close yourself inside the church, get a key, or inside your house, or go somewhere. I said, I want to go with God. I don't want to see anybody. It's the victory that God gives you over sin. And it's the wisdom that God gives you to work and go and work. So many people, so many people say, well, what, 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 uh, they, they think that God wants to separate them and they are not working anymore and they are not talking to people anymore. And they, how are they going to live? Tell me. And it's, it's against the word of God. You know that? Did you ever think it's against the word of God? And if you know your Bible, would you open with me to First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11? To see that he, he had to encounter many difficulties like us. Like, I mean, I want to read it. Ed will put it up there. And Paul is writing to the church, to the believers. And to make it your ambition, every one of you, to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. Oh, okay. Do you have a quiet life? And to attend to your own business. Do you know, do you, do you know what it means to attend to your own business? To mind your own business. I told you we're having Bible study tonight. To mind your own business. Don't be nosy with people. Don't try to... What are they saying? I didn't hear it. <laughs> to mind your own business. Listen, he goes more. And to work with your own hands. Can someone tell me what it means to work with your own hands? Go get a job. To work with your own hands, just as we, what, commanded you. 
He did that. Enoch. He did that. And he faced difficulties in life. And he faced problems in life. And he faced, faced family problems in life. And, but we all, when he talked to God about them, somehow, somewhere, as it happens with us, God made it possible to continue the journey. Isn't that? Isn't that? How many times we face problems in life? I don't know. I cannot face tomorrow. I cannot come up with this payment. I cannot do this. And what happens? You're still living in the same house. You make the payments. Your children are growing. And your life is going along. And you have a great relationship with God. Because God has a hedge around you. Remember that. Remember that. That's how he lived. He enjoyed this communion. Someone said, there is one thing about a man who walks with God. Or, between parents, who strives to please God. Circumstances never affect his fellowship and communion with the Lord. Why are you mad? Ah, well, hey. We're looking at God through our circumstances, it seems. But we are going to go through these things. And I'm not saying they're easy. There are. Sometimes it's, it's very hard. It's painful. But God knows what he's doing, right? Enoch, you're still young with me. And I know what you're doing. I'm working on your character. Enoch didn't know that. But God knew that. We don't know that, but God knows how to deal with each and every one of us. Why is he, why doesn't he go through this? It's none of your. Why Adam is laughing? It's none of my business. He's revived. I hope we're all revived. Why, why, did, why did it happen to me only? It's none of your business. God is working on you. Enoch. You're going through this because I know what I'm doing. And Enoch would come every day, we'll meet with God. Every day we'll, we'll talk to God. Every day we'll open his heart to God. And guess what? God solved so many problems for Enoch. Because otherwise, he wouldn't continue walking 300 years. And even if he tried, you know what? And if he tried, and so many times maybe Enoch was just said, Oh, I can't take it anymore. I'm not going to go to meet with God. I'm not going to pray these prayers. Hmm? And I'm not, uh, I have to go. I'm not going to have my quiet time. I have to go. And then you go and you have one of the worst day in your lives. Right? And then, on the way back, says, I better go and see God. He makes a big detour and comes and sees God. He says, okay, we'll come back. Where have you been all day? Where have you been? Well, uh, you know, I've been rebelling. Yes. He was honest. He had, said, he had close communion with God. He confessed his sins. He came back to God all the time. And he lived with that communion. And you know what? God did not go anywhere. He says, welcome back. I'm still at the exit you left. You made a detour. Come on. Let's continue. Let's walk. And they walked together. And that's what he deals, how he deals with us. Isn't that true? How he deals with me. Isn't that true? 
But once the Lord takes charge of your life, don't get bitter. Don't get bitter. Take it from the Lord and put a smile in your heart, in your heart, and a smile on your face. Say, you know what you're doing. It's me who is wrong. And you are the one who is dealing with me. And I better obey. I better obey. Let's, let's keep going. Another point I found out. He was separated from the world. Well, what do you say? Well, you have to go and work. We have to deal with people. I'm not talking about separating yourself from this world. He was. He, this godly man did not walk in the way of sinners. What does it say in Psalm 1? First? First, first, first Psalm. What does it say? Blessed is the man. You know it. You know it. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, who does not stand in the path of sinner, who does not sit in the seat of the scoffers, but he delighted all day long himself in the law of God. He was delighting. He separated himself from being with sinners when he was invited, when he was asked to do things that are contrary to his conscience. He said, no, thank you. We have to learn to do that. We have learned to do He was separated. Because in unbroken companionship with God, he found himself more weaned from the world and riper for heaven. That's why it pleased God. Riper for heaven. He even did not attempt to walk alone to heaven. He said, no, 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 no. I have learned to walk with you every step of my life. Are we? Are we? Are we? Oh, so many times we do like Peter. I know how to, how to do this boat. Let, let me. You go take a, t- you don't take, take a nap. Do we ask God to do that sometimes? He said, not even to heaven. I will not walk alone. I want you to be with me day and night. He walked with God. His character and conduct were a constant rebuke to people around him. And for the lack of time, in Jude, he was rebuking people who were around him. His life was also one of a progress. He learned to submit to the will of God and obey him. Whatever God said, I answer. Remember, I said many times, God is looking for yes people. Yes to his will. Yes to a life worthy to live for. And he consistently went forward with him. He did not walk for a while and then stood still. Where are we? Where are we in our Christian life? Christian, where are you? Did you stand still? Are you this year exactly where you stopped last year? Or are you progressing? Are you growing? Are you experiencing in you things with Jesus Christ? Let me tell you, the life of a Christian is a life that is moving. It's always moving and moving forward, not backward. You cannot stand still. That means you're going backward. And he was going. 
He was not a subject of moods and feelings. Ah, you know, so many times we go to work. How are you? Ah. If you're sick, that's something else. But moods. Moods of Christians, moody, of feelings. Because feelings, you know, are deceivings. And we cannot, we cannot live on them. As someone came to Luther, he asked him, Luther, do you feel sure that you have been forgiven? That was a very important topic during that day. You know what he answered? He answered, no. But I'm as sure as there's God in heaven. There's God in heaven. Forget my feelings. Forget how I feel. I know very well. The word of God promises good things. And I believe in the word of God. Let your heart, let your feelings, everything, put them aside. We believe in what is written in the book of life. We cannot live by feelings because our feelings. Sometimes you get up cranky, huh? How many, be, how many people get up cranky in the morning? Thank you, Justin. At least I, that's a courageous man. And Byron. And myself. So many times. How many times do it depend on feelings? Someone gives, tells you a word, you go down. Someone tells you a word, you go up. The word of God does not change with our feelings. The word of God is forever unchanged. So, he did not live. He lived in progress all the time. And every day, he found himself nearer to the goal. Every day. He, I'm quite confident that the devil buffeted, buffeted him every day. And he didn't like him uh, to go around walking with God. But when a man's ways are pleasing to God, he makes even his enemies, what? At peace with him. To Enoch, it wasn't a matter, listen to this, of making the best of both worlds, his world and the other world. To him, there was but one world. God's world with God's borders. He did not make any attempt to improve a cursed world. But Enoch found a better world and lived in the power of it. Don't try to improve this world. Look at this world. It says this world is going to vanish and go away. My world is to walk with God and please him. And finally, I found out that he had an unusual glorious end. Do you agree with that? Uh, let's take a walk to the cemetery of the Old Testament. Go back. Okay, you have your Bibles? Okay, this, we're going to end here. We're not going to be able to cover what I have. Okay. I promise you next time. But here. In chapter 5, the generations of Adam. You never probably looked at it this way. Chapter 5 of Genesis. Chapter 5 of Genesis. We have the generations of Adam. Adam lived. And if you open the Bibles, in verse 5, and Adam lived what, 930 years and he died. Verse 8. Seth, and he died. Do you see he died? Enosh, in verse 11, and he died. And Canaan, not Kenan, Kenan, you are still alive. And Canaan, okay, 910 years, and he died. And then, Mahalalel, 895 years, and he died. Then we came to Jared, in verse 20, and he died. Six generations, 
you go and see their tombstone. And he died. But Enoch, he was not. Send a searching crew to see where did he go. Where did he go? He was missing. They looked for him. They couldn't see his tombstone. They couldn't find him. He was gone. He was missing. Where did he go? The Lord took him straight to heaven. And can we pattern ourselves one day? One day the trumpet shall sound. And I hope today. When the Lord is going to take us if we please him. One day we're going to leave this scene. And people are going to look for us. Do you know that? They're going to look. They're missing. Dave and Amber are missing and their children. And each and every one of you is missing. It's going to create complete chaos. Justin is not going back to college. Keenan is not flying anymore on an airplane. And, and you and Dean. And Dean is not around anymore. Can you imagine that? And no one of the Christians is here. We are all missing. Where if we're missing from this scene, we're not missing to be with the Lord forever and ever. Hedged people, please God. This is a, go home and study it more and live for him. And the end result, we are going to be with him. When you please God, when you do his will, the Lord is prepared for you a happy ending. It's always a happy ending for the Christian. It's not a bad ending. Though we're going through many experiences, remember who's walking with you. Remember who's going with you all the way until we reach the other shore. Let's bow our heads for prayers. Our Father, we thank you for the opportunity you gave us to meditate on your word. May the life of this man be our life. May his companionship with you, his separation, his dedication, His openness be a message to each and every one of us so we can live pleasing in your eyesight. Help us to live this way, Lord. Be with us this week. Continue to bless each and every one. And those who need you especially today, those who are at home, sick, many of them, we pray that you visit with them and heal them and bring them back to us safely. Dismiss us, we pray, in his wonderful name. Amen.